Well, good morning again, Lindsley Avenue. We will go ahead and begin our services. Apologies for any technical difficulties that we encounter. This is the first time that I have attempted to do a live service here from my home. This is Gene Wright, minister at Lindsley Avenue. If I had to do it over again, I would have shared the whole screen. But the way I've started it off, I shared a window. And now that the live video has started, I'm unaware enough of how to change it to get rid of all those smaller windows on the side. So we will deal with things as they are. We made the call to go virtual this morning at about 7.30, knowing that we were dealing with imperfect information. It has been raining where I am for about the last hour, and much of what had looked dangerous, potentially on the roads, has started uh, becoming slushy. But not knowing what the roads would be like from many different areas as people came into downtown to the building, we made the decision at 7.30 to go virtual and hope that everyone would stay uh, safe and off the roads. We appreciate you tuning in to our live services and hopefully those of you that are watching this remotely and who don't usually come down to the building at Lindsley Avenue will be able to join us in the future. We would love to have you and hope you will come and visit with us any opportunity that you have. This morning we're going to be studying from Psalm 32 and the topic will be forgiven. I'd like to ask before we begin that study that we all start our service this morning with a prayer. So if you would, uh, bow with me. Father, we are so thankful for the beauty of today. Even though it is raining and snowing, we have been granted a day by your grace and your mercy where you woke us up and gave us a day to live in your service and to make a difference in the lives of our family and friends. We ask you would help us to use each and every day to show that we love you and that we love our neighbors. And we would ask you would help us to always put you first in each and everything that we do. Bless us in our study this morning and please keep everyone safe and healthy. It is through your son we pray. Amen. So this morning is going to be studying Psalm 32, Forgiven. Psalm 32 begins in verses 1 and 2 with this statement. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So we're told here at the very start of Psalm 32 that blessedness or perhaps a, a, more, a better way to say that is happiness results from having our sins forgiven. Let's look more closely at this passage. I've underlined some words in verses 1 and 2, and these are the words that the psalmist uses for sin. So take a look at these with me. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. The idea of transgression in the original is that of a rebellion, the violation of a known law, refusing to be subject to God's rightful authority. When we transgress, we are violating things we know better than to do. We know what the rule says, we know what the law says, we know what God wants, and we step over that line and do what we want to do anyway. And so certainly, when we transgress, we need forgiveness, and the psalmist begins with, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. 
the psalmist continues and then says, also blessed, happy, is the one whose sin is covered. To sin is to miss the mark. It's a coming short of that aim which God intended for us to reach. It's a military idea of shooting an arrow. If you've ever done arrow shooting at a target, you know it can be difficult to hit the target, but in terms of this idea, it's a sin when the arrow doesn't get to the target. So when we don't live up to what is expected of us, when we fall short of the standard that we are aware of, it is a sin. We have not reached the target, the uh, aim for which God wants us to achieve. The psalmist then continues and says, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Iniquity is from a word that means bent or twisted. It's actually the idea of a perversion. It is perverted. If you have a coat hanger, you can imagine a coat hanger, it has a shape or form that it's supposed to be. But I guarantee you, if you give one to a 10-year-old and, and he, has, he or she has full freedom to do with a coat hanger what they want, it may not look at all like a coat hanger after it has been bent and twisted. Well, when we are bent or twisted away from what God wants of us, we are guilty of iniquity. We have been, been bent or twisted or perverted. It's a change from what we were supposed to be. He then ends with this statement, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Deceit is really the idea of a deliberate cover-up, a falsehood. It's hypocrisy. It's showing a false front to look good even when you know you are not in a good situation. And so the one whose spirit there is no deceit is also one who is happy. Notice the words right along with those words for sin that the psalmist used for forgiveness. He says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Forgiven, this is the idea of to bear, to carry off, or to take away a burden. Our sin is a burden on us which God himself bears or takes away. Blessed, happy is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. I'm sorry, back up. Whose sin is covered. Covered is this idea of out of sight. God puts our sins out of his sight, which means he will never again bring up our sins. And if we are in Christ, our sins are covered by his blood. That's really important because so often we will be forgiven of our sins and we have, it seems, more trouble forgiving ourselves because we remember our sins if we have in fact been forgiven of them long after God remembers our sins. Back to where I jumped ahead. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Counts no or whose iniquity is not counted. This is an accounting term. It's something that is not written down on our account. If you think of accounting, if you know accounting, you might have a ledger with some debts that are owed and payments that have been made. When we have iniquity, when we do our own way, it's not written down. Very happy indeed is the one to who, whose debts are not written down. There will be no need for payment of those debts because they are no longer on the ledger. There's a great illustration of our transgressions being taken away over in the book of Zechariah. And I freely admit that I usually don't quote from the book of Zechariah, 
But look at what the, the prophet here says from God. And it's an, a kind of an odd illustration, but let's read it and then let's talk about it. Beginning in verse 5 of Zechariah chapter 5. Then the angel who talked with me came forward and said to me, Lift your eyes and see what this is that is going out. And I said, What is it? He said, This is the basket that is going out. And he said, This is their iniquity in all the land. And behold, the leaden cover was lifted, and there was a woman sitting in the basket. He said, This is wickedness. And he thrust her back into the basket and thrust down the leaden weight on its opening. Okay, so again, prophecy often includes illustrations that are not meant to be taken 100% literally. Otherwise, we have a woman being trapped in a basket. What the prophet is doing is saying the sins of the land, the sins of God's people, are symbolized in the form of this woman that the prophet calls iniquity, the angel calls iniquity, and God is taking those sins and putting them all into a basket. I picture a big barrel, actually, but into a basket, and it's being sealed in the basket. What a wonderful thought that our sins, our transgressions, our iniquities could be sealed in a basket or in a barrel in left there. So in this first part of Zechariah 5, the iniquities, the sins in all the land are being gathered together and put into this basket and seal the leaden weight on the top of the basket. Look at the next part of this. Continuing on there in Zechariah 5, Zechariah says, Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, two women coming forward. The wind was in their wings. They had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. Then I said to the angel who talked with me, Where are they taking the basket? He said to me, To the land of Shinar, to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket there, down there, on its base. All right, so the second part of this illustration, remember we have all the iniquities of the land, and by association all of our iniquities would be gathered together and put in this basket sealed in this basket and then the angel describes that basket being taken up into the air and taken to a very 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 far away place Shinar is a, a place that was very very far away from the land of Israel and so it stands for a long distance away and there's a house a little hut that's built for it and when it's prepared that's where the iniquities of the land, the iniquities of the people, would be placed. What does that tell me? When we are forgiven, our sins, as it were, are going to be sealed in some sort of basket and taken far away from us. The Bible uses an illustration of sins being put into the depths of the ocean and just removed from where we are. What a wonderful idea that my sins are not going to keep clinging to me and hanging on me if I am forgiven. Back to Psalm 32. Again, the psalmist here, this is David. He says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. 
My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. David here was guilty of what I suspect many of us are guilty. It seems he simply expected God to forgive him of his transgressions and sins. Some people have said that's God's job, to forgive. We simply assume that when we sin, God's going to forgive us. But God's not going to forgive us if we don't, first of all, ask for forgiveness and make a change within ourselves. So instead of confessing his sins, he kept silent. He did not confess his sins. And sometimes that's just pure stubbornness. He refused to speak about it. There have been times I know where people have been caught in a sin, they know they've done wrong, and they just don't want to say it out loud. In this case, David's unforgiven sins had begun to affect his body. You know, we've said before, sometimes you can worry yourself sick. Well, in this case, it's not so much worrying ourselves sick, we are making ourselves sick by not being open and confessing our sins. Look back to verses 3 and 4 at the top of the slide. When David kept silent, it was as if his bones were wasting away through his groaning all day long. He was keeping his sins within him. And day and night he felt the heavy hand, as it were, of God upon him, and his strength dried up as if his strength were moisture and it was dried up by the heat of summer. We cannot keep our sins quiet within ourselves and expect to be forgiven. But then he changes. Finally, he decides to come clean. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. He comes clean. So his first problem was the sin he committed. Probably his immorality with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband to cover that immorality. But what had been eating on him, and he's describing here in Psalm 32, his second problem was the double life he lived to hide those sins. You know, we all make mistakes. And sometimes out in the world, people will talk about, it's usually uh, from a, it, dealing in politics, I know I try to stay away from politics, but somebody will do something in the political realm, and many times it's not what they did that causes so much trouble, it's trying to cover it up and hide it. Well, there aren't different levels in the perspective of God when he looks at our sins, but if you commit a sin, the worst thing to do is to try to lead a double life and hide it. Because as David says, that just continued to eat at him. Hiding our sins, not confessing our sins, not seeking forgiveness, does not make for a better outcome. It was only when David was ready to repent and end the second problem by confessing his sins that God would graciously forgive the first problem, which God did, his sins that he had committed, including the immorality with Bathsheba and the arranging of the murder of her husband. Horrible things that David, a man after God's own heart, became involved in and, and did. God forgave when the heart turned to him. I think we need to remember that. We all, again, do things that are wrong, and many times we'll think these are the worst things anyone's ever done. Well, any sin against God is something to avoid. It's not something to in any way be happy about. It is something to, to feel sorrow about, but we need to turn to God and to repent. When David did that, he ends up being forgiven. 
I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. Again in verse 5, I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Forgiveness was ready and waiting for David as he agreed with God about the nature and guilt of his sin. God already knew what David had done. David came around and admitted and said, yes, I have done that. Restoration, forgiveness was ready, but the confession of sin was the path to it. James 5.16, um, James says to confess our sins one to another. You know, we don't do nearly enough of that uh, today. Uh, in fact, the last thing we seem to want to do is to admit our weakness, our own sinfulness to each other. That's the only way that we, any of us will actually have our sins and iniquities forgiven. By not confessing our sins to one another, it tends to make each of us feel like we are the ones that are having a problem. We are the ones who are uh, having sin in, in our lives that needs forgiveness. After all, no one else seems to be having a problem because no one else is out there uh, uh, confessing and talking about things they're doing. I must be the only one. David's confession of sin did not earn forgiveness of his sins. It's not that he earned it, but he did receive forgiveness of his sins. Fellowship with God was restored. David confessed and experienced this forgiveness immediately, just as the prodigal son confessed and was immediately forgiven. Look at verses 6 and 7. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you, to God, at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. The word therefore here refers to God's willingness to forgive sin. If you look back to how verse 5 ended, God had forgiven the sins, and for this reason, because of his willingness to forgive sins, the godly, those who trust in God and are serious about him, need to pray to God when they, when we sin. David wants these people to be encouraged to not delay like he did. Again, do not delay. While God may be found, which is today, which is right now, we need to pray to God and ask for forgiveness of our sin. And if you do, even if your life feels like you're in a flood of waters, the waters will not touch you. The waters will not drag you down. They will not reach you because God's hand is strong enough to lift you out of the flood of waters of sin. If God has forgiven you your sins and you walk in the light, you cannot, you will not be overcome. So in this short little passage of Psalm 32, we saw several big problems. David had said that it was a very, very blessed, happy situation to be in for those who had sinned and had them covered, had them forgiven, had them taken away. The prophecy uh, in Zechariah talked about how God would take those sins far, far away from the people. But David had not confessed his sins, and it was eating him on the inside. <coughs> it was causing all sorts of trouble for David. <coughs> Excuse me. Only when he forgave his sins did he actually receive forgiveness. He then ends with this. 
speaking to God. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. God really is our hiding place. He is a place to be safe from whatever comes at us in life. When you think about severe weather here in Middle Tennessee, the TV networks will always tell you to be in your safe place, to be in your, the centermost room in your house or in your basement. Well, in our lives, our lives have stormy weather. Our lives have trouble. Our lives have sin in them. God is our hiding place, the only safe place to be from whatever comes in our lives. If we are members of his family, God is not our hiding place unless we are a member of his family. You can't run to God when you're still in effect running away from God. The only way to be delivered from sin, the only way to truly have forgiveness to be in this safe place, this hiding place, as David says, is to be delivered from your sins. Again, James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This is your opportunity. This is our opportunity. This is my opportunity. And the opportunity is with us as long as we have breath. So although we're not together in the auditorium, in the building, where we can have potentially an invitation and people could come and ask for prayer or someone could come and say, I want to be a member of his family. If you're listening to this and you're hearing this, it's always your opportunity, whether it's live, whether it's later. If you have sin in your life, you can pray to God, ask God to forgive you, and he will if you're a member of his family. If you need to make something right with a friend, a family member, someone that you know, make it right, ask them for forgiveness as well, pray to God. If you're not a member of God's family, you need to understand that God loves you even though you may be in a sinful situation. And God's love says, leave that sinful situation, come back to me. That's why he sent Jesus to live and die so that your sins could be forgiven. He bore the price for the sins that were in your life and my life. If you understand that that's what God wants and that's what God did by sending Jesus, you need to change your life and quit living the way you've been living and start living for God. And then you need to be immersed so that you can reenact the death of Jesus by being buried in water under the water and being raised to walk in newness of life. That's when our sins are forgiven, when we die to ourselves and are lived to, uh, raised to walk and live for God. If you need help with any of that, please feel free to reach out to us at Lindsley Avenue, to me, or to uh, anyone nearby. That's our lesson for this morning. We're also going to allow for some time to focus on the other reason, the primary reason in many ways that we get together on Sunday mornings, and that's to remember the death of Jesus in what we call the Lord's Supper or communion. Before Jesus was crucified, 
he met with his disciples and told them that this bread that he handed out to them was going to be his body. And this bread is to be partaken of when they got together to remember that Jesus offered his body as a sacrifice for us. Elsewhere in the New Testament, we read that they gather together in order to break bread, in order to remember Jesus's sacrifice. And that's what Christians do all around the world. They're doing it today. So I want to pause for a moment. If you don't have what you need to partake of the Lord's Supper, um, the bread is available in several places. You may have the little home kits that some people have. If you have a tortilla, I've actually been told tortillas are, work fine for that kind of bread, and you will need some grape juice. But as we are thinking about the death of Jesus, offering his body on the cross, let's pr have a, a prayer for the bread and bless the bread as we remember Jesus' sacrifice. Father, we are so thankful for the love you had for us, the love that allowed you to send your son to live a life, an example for us, to point the way to you, to teach us the way you want us to be, and then to offer your son to sacrifice his life, his perfect life, on the cross to pay the price for all the sins of the world, all the things that we have ever done. And as we partake of this bread, in memory of that sacrifice, Jesus offering his body, we ask that we would remember the love and the sacrifice that caused that to happen. It's through his son we pray. Amen. In addition to partaking of bread, Jesus also passed around the fruit of the vine, the wine, at the uh, what's called the Last Supper. And he told them to drink from it because this was the blood of the new covenant. When Jesus died on the cross, the blood that he shed puts a new covenant, a new arrangement in place between God and man. The old is taken away and the new is here. And without the shedding of that blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so as we focus on the sacrifice that Jesus made, in addition to remembering his, the offering of his body through partaking of the bread each Sunday, we also partake of the fruit of the vine, the grape juice that they were taking back then and that Christians in the first century and throughout the centuries have partaken to remind us of the blood of Jesus that he shed for me, that he shed for you. And it is through that blood that we have forgiveness of our sins as members of his family. So let's have another prayer as we get ready to partake of this fruit of the vine. Father, once again, we are so thankful for the love you have for us, the incredible love that allowed you to have your son come and live and die on the cross shed his blood so that we might have hope, that we might have forgiveness of sin, that we might be able to come live with you. As we partake of this fruit of the vine, we ask that you would help us to remember that sacrifice today, but commit ourselves to living each day this week and each day of our lives 
with your son and what you want, the kind of person you want us to be in the forefront as we make our choices, as we put our lives in your hands rather than in our own. Thank you again, Father, for the sacrifice of Jesus, and it is through your Son that we pray. Amen. The other thing that we do when we gather together on Sunday mornings is we have the opportunity to give. That will be a little difficult to do today with us not gathered together in the building, but you have the opportunity to potentially give virtually, I know that is available, or to put aside something so that when we are all gathered together again, we can contribute. These monies go not only to keep the building warm, but they go for other purposes to help those in our community who need help, to help those who uh, need our help elsewhere, to share the word. It helps us to be about the business of God as we walk through our lives as members of his family each day. So let's pray, even though we may not be giving at this instant, but let's thank God for our blessings and the opportunity to share. So pray with me, please. Father, once again, we're so thankful that you love us. We are thankful for the gift of life. We're thankful for whatever blessings we may have. Help us to look at these blessings as temporary things that you have given us and that we always know that we should use whatever we have been given to help other people and to make sure people know about your son and the blessings that he can bring to them. So thank you again for our blessings, Father. Help us to always be generous to other people and be generous towards you. Through your Son we pray. Amen. Well, that will end our worship services today. Again, apologies for the late notice of shutting down the services and whether you might think we could easily have made it down to the building but we appreciate you joining us. We hope that you will come and join us at Lindsley Avenue where we meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 for services and 9.30 for Bible classes and Wednesday nights at 7.30. At Lindsley Avenue, you have a group of uh, members of God's family who love God and love each other and love our neighbors. If that sounds like something you want to be involved in, please come and see us down at Lindsley Avenue. Have a wonderful day, wonderful day, and always seek to love God.